damn it, how long have we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it is The Wrestling Life. It's episode 177, Halloween 2018. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about. And so many things we can't talk about. Let's start with Evolution. show, I expected it to be a good show. I'm not sure I expected it to be like... A miracle good show and i feel like it's something of a miracle but this was like maybe the best wwe show of the year what did you think of the show yeah it was really enjoyable um i didn't really it's tough because it was so unique like i you almost compare it more to like a, an nxt takeover show than a than a wwe show i saw some people compare it to like one of those ecw one night stand shows and there's some of that because you had all the old old timers coming back. Um, that's that's inappropriate to say about women, I think. Um, it's yeah, we had the uh, the legends returning, and yes. uh, you, you had uh, people from various eras and sort of a, a representation of the the future with the the NXT and the May Young Classic matches. It was it was a really good mix. It had, the show had a pretty good flow to it. And it was over in less than three and a half hours, which is maybe my favorite part. To your point about the presentation, like different stage. Remember when they used to do different stages? Not every show yeah. looked exactly the same. At a different stage. Um, you know, they didn't have the big LED ring posts. This is, you know, there's been talk lately of a, you know, a, a higher price tier for the network. Uh, and on that price tier, you'll get like, one Saturday night house show a month or something that'll be loaded up. And I feel like this was kind of almost maybe a trial run <laughs> for how those shows will be presented. Like it was a little bit, you know, the, uh, the ring and the, uh, the arena was dressed a little bit nicer than a house show, but not quite decked out like a super uh, mega TV taping or something. True. We had the traditional guardrails versus the sort of big barricade walls that they have. Yeah. The lights down low for most of it. Indeed. Um, yeah, but all, to your point, I think another another strong thing about the show that wasn't, they didn't totally rely on all the nostalgia. <laughs> like it was the current, um, the current stars had the best matches on the show current stars closed the show and there was a dash of nostalgia but it wasn't all nostalgia like all the wwe anniversary shows are very true that's a really good point uh i thought the best match was obviously charlotte and becky but it's kind of like of course they had the best match they let them do everything and brawl (laughs) over the arena what'd you think yeah no i thought i thought it was it was a really good match it was everything that 
any other last man standing match in WWE usually is. They got to use all the weapons in the world. They got to, you know, do table spots and, and brawling and all this, uh, all these crazy moments and, and they, they pull it all off to their credit. Um, so yeah, that was, I mean, to me, that was, that was easily the, the most memorable match of the night, but I mean, yeah, really up, up and down. I thought it was, uh, there was nothing, there was nothing bad on the show. And that's not something you get to say about WWE shows, at least main roster shows too often. Yeah, Trish and Lita look good in the opener. I think Trish can still go, and I think some of that is that um, a lot of the like heavier muscle that she used to carry, she's lost that. I guess doing the yoga, uh, she's just like smaller and more cut, so she can still move pretty well. Um, whereas I feel like Lita kind of moves in slow motion a little bit, but um, I thought that the were perfectly fine in the opener. Yeah, I, and I thought Mickey James did a great job, um, especially when she was working with Lita, but with both of them and being there to sell, especially the, the bigger moves and everything, the more signature moves, I thought she did a, a really tremendous job. Battle Royal with Medusa and Ivory Vettel. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> horrifying, and yet somehow they managed to take Medusa, who's had a hip replacement, out out of the match without breaking her other hip, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean the battle royal, it was fun, and it, I mean the best, the best of it was probably when it got down to the final, you know, four or five. But yeah, overall, uh, you know, some of the, a lot of the uh, the legends in that match just kind of got tossed out unceremoniously. Uh, yeah. You know, like like Kelly Kelly and Molly Holly, who was maybe like the sixth, fifth or sixth best best worker in the whole match. Maybe even more. Uh, she was there. Uh, a lot of them were just kind of dumped uh, unceremoniously. But uh, Ivory got to have a couple of cool moments in there, and uh, as you mentioned, nobody got hurt. So that's always that's always a good thing when like Michelle McCool and Kelly Kelly are in there. I guess I thought it was a star-making night for Ember Moon, and then they dumped her at the end. In favor of in favor of Nia Jax, who we've already seen wrestle Ronda. I don't understand. But we I, didn't get a finish. I, We're I just, clamoring for more. Clearly, are we? I mean, that was a really good match. Like they pulled out. It was a lot of smoke and mirrors, but they did have a pretty exciting match. Well, all right. I guess we get to see it again. I, I, mean, I would have. Build up was bad last time, so we'll we'll see about that. But the match for, itself was pretty fun. Is Nia a face or going to be a face or a heel for this one? Uh, I, I mean, as we saw last time they wrestled, it could be both <laughs> from week to week. <laughs> they got until what, like December before they have to do this match? So, I guess, yeah, that's it's fine. Um, uh, you hated the Sasha Banks match? No, I didn't actually. You said she wrestles like Sabu. Yeah, that's absolutely one hundred percent true. But that doesn't—that doesn't mean the match was terrible. Sabu had good matches. It hurts my feelings. I, I, look, I'm just going to say that me saying that Sasha Banks wrestles like Sabu is the truest thing that I have ever said in my life. And again, Sabu had some good matches. So I—you're choosing to take it as an insult. I did not present it as an insult. It's incredible. It's definitely presented as an insult. 
Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It's just an observation that I made. Although to Sasha slash Sabu's credit, um, Bailey took the scariest bump of anybody in that match when she tried to do a dive onto Sarah Logan and Sarah Logan just didn't. I, I don't know who was at fault. I have my theories because I, the cameras also didn't really catch her dive. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. We'll never know for sure who, who was at fault. <laughs> But uh, Sarah Logan did not catch Bailey, and so Bailey just kind of dropped head first onto the floor. But I think I think it was a really ill-advised dive by Bailey. It looked wild and out of control. Well, she, has, think... she did she did the one where like you dive between the middle and bottom rope, like Austin Aries does. Oh, I would never do that. Yeah, that not on not when the person catching me is Sarah Logan. Certainly. Hey. How about let's not do any dives at all where we're counting on Sarah Logan and or Liv Morgan to catch us? That's, that sounds like a, uh, a good job. Uh, good, good idea. But uh, hey, overall, I thought that was a fun match. And I loved the finish where Natty hits a powerbomb. Bailey hits the flying elbow, which is like the best flying elbow in the company besides Kyrie Sane. And then actually, does anyone else do the flying elbow at this point? Um, oh, Velveteen Dream. Yeah, that's right. I, I would I would say I like Bailey's a little bit more, but anyway. And then Sasha did the uh, the frog splash in, in tribute to Eddie Guerrero, and that frog splash looked a lot better than the last time I saw her hit a frog splash. So I really liked the finish. The match last itself, time she did a last time she did a frog splash, it was off the top of a pod. Oh, that I don't even remember that one. I was thinking about the WrestleMania one. That WrestleMania frog splash was awesome. Okay. I, don't I really okay. don't know what you're talking about. It looked a little okay. Look, we'll just agree. Oh, it did. Oh, it didn't look like the greatest frog splash of all time in Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what. If you're doing the move to to shout out the person who did it better than everyone else, and then you do an inferior version, maybe pick a different move. Maybe she could have done like the three amigo suplexes. Look, we were on a good. We were on a good. My point was, I liked the match. And it was fun. And Sasha Banks wrestles like Sabu. Cool. <laughs> Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella wrestled in the main event. And they had no hope of following the thing that came before it. But the crowd was polite because Ronda Rousey's good at pro wrestling. Yeah, I thought they had a fine match that on a different show... Or maybe not, or maybe if this had gone on second to last, I would have really enjoyed. But yes, trying to follow a crazy wild brawl uh, where they got to do everything with a wrestling match was was always going to be tough. Um, but yeah, I thought that was that was fine, and they they brought everybody out on stage at the end and, and did the big photo up, and I thought yeah, overall really fun show. One other note. If you'll notice in the Becky Charlotte match, they used tables, ladders, and chairs. Mm. Those, those two are going to have the first ever women's TLC match in December. Mm. Hashtag mm. scoops. Mm. Foreshadowing. Yes. Monday Night Raw this week. Uh, the first two hours were pretty daggone good. Um, yes. yes, that's actually now my... Uh, my uh, that's the way I watch Raw now. Uh, Raw ends after the 10 p.m. segment for me. So <laughs> that's the way I shall look at and review Raw from this day forward. 
that's a probably a, a, a pretty good way to live your life because the third hour featured Lucha House Party versus The Revival and Apollo Crews versus Dolph Ziggler. Apollo had a program for a couple weeks with uh, Elias and then they had to <laughs> drop it because they had to turn Elias. Um, so those two match, uh, uh, Apollo wrestled Dolph, I think in the main event of Raw and <laughs> Like, I was just noticing everything else in the arena during that match just because that's what I do during Dolph Ziggler matches. Like, <laughs> did you know the referee Chad Patton is growing a beard? Oh, well, it's Chad's changed too over the years. <laughs> he has a beard now. <laughs> that's what I was. No and then DX and <laughs> the Brothers of Destruction, not to be confused with the Brothers of Discussion. Mm -hmm. The Brothers of, D of Destruction cut a promo that it was pretty much word for word Undertaker saying, you can try to outrun the Reaper, but eventually he's, <laughs> you can't. And he's he comes he's coming for you. <laughs> and we are going to take out uh, Degeneration X at Crown Jewel. It will not be pretty. It will be slow and <laughs> agonizing. <laughs> That's pretty much word for word Undertaker's promo. And I'm like. Oh, and the terrible line about this will not be the end of an era. It'll be the end of your error. I don't even know what the hell that means. <laughs> it sounds like something like, I don't know, like like a G.I. Joe villain would say or something. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, the segment ended with Shawn Michaels coming out and uh, ducking an Undertaker punch and hitting him with a super kick, which was really cool. Um, unfortunately, that's about all I need to see ever again <laughs> of those two mm -hmm. uh, working together. I I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to watch out of like perverse curiosity, but I, I really hate everything about this feud. As I've mentioned 500 times, I think it's creatively bankrupt. That's well, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, you really ever are. And here's, there's no exception, you know, like I've, what it's there's two old men. I mean, I'm still hung up on on what we talked about last week about how they just buried the current roster, and and what's what's okay. The payoff is with those those young up and comers, the brothers of of destruction, get a get a big win. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, they also they were also digging graves uh, for DX, and they had their shoot birthdays on their tombstones. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily advertise the fact that Sean's fifty-three years old. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you look at him, I don't. I don't think that's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask why he's wearing a headband now that he he ain't got no hair? <laughs> <laughs> he saw Bob Lashley do it and thought that was the style. I guess. Anyway, I think Raw's kind of been better of late, with the exception of that. <laughs> that's. That's fair. Well, it's almost over, right? We're in the home stretch. Until, like, the next thing. Until so April not... or whatever. Right, because you know, both, you know, I don't... Taker is patent. It's patently clear that Undertaker is never going to retire. Like, he's... He will have to be completely physically incapacitated <laughs> in order not to continue coming back for paydays, right? Yeah, I mean, what... I mean, think about... Do you remember the send-off they gave him after that Roman Reigns match? Yes. And he it's, still came back. 
it felt it felt very real. Yes. And he still came back to wrestle John Cena for three minutes. And then to wrestle Rusev in a casket match. And then to <laughs> re- wrestle Triple H. And then to wrestle Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And he'll wrestle, I don't know, what fossil can they b- bring out for the next? So he'll wrestle Diesel at the next. <laughs> Do you think they can get Nash for the next Saudi show? <laughs> Why not? I would if they okay. I gotta say, if they do Undertaker versus Kevin Nash at the next Saudi show, I will watch that show. How about Undertaker and Hogan? I mean, why Hell not? Yeah. <laughs> why not? Hell, That's what these Hell shows yeah. are. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I see no reason why not. They're their own little weird universe, and and hey, man, you need stars. So, and as Hunter pointed out, these kids today just can't get it done. So that's true. So that crown jewel show, show is this Friday. John Cena and Daniel Bryan refused to go, and so they did Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles on SmackDown this week. It opened the show. Uh, Daniel Bryan tapped out, clean in the middle of the ring, and then Samoa Joe attacked AJ after the match, and they announced Samoa Joe and AJ for crown jewel. Finally, a fresh matchup. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, on the bright side, I thought. Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles had a really good wrestling match. Yeah, it was a little it's a little weird and broken up because of the commercial breaks. Yeah. But, you know, there was like selling and a story to it. So Yeah, like Brian worked over AJ's arm, which led into him putting him in an arm bar later. And obviously AJ worked over Brian's knee the whole match, which led to him winning with the calf crusher. So yeah, they uh, they told some stories here, pal. Yeah, um, I was perplexed as to what could possibly main event SmackDown once that went on first, and Becky Lynch's promo went on at like nine thirty, and then they, they did Randy, Randy Orton in the Miz against Rey Mysterio and Jeff Hardy. Speaking of fresh matchups, jeez. So, what do you think about Cena and Brian pulling themselves off this show? Um. Well, I think. John Cena is trying very hard to be a real successful actor Mm -hmm. and he seems to be somewhat successful at that uh, currently Mm -hmm. and it is very very much not a good idea if you are trying to get movie roles and you host the Today Show and you do all this stuff where you're in the public face and are going to be asked about stuff like this it would be a very bad idea to go to Saudi Arabia so I think for John Cena this was a, like everything in John Cena's life, I assume this was a very calculated PR move. <laughs> Much like his engagement to Nikki Bella. <laughs> so, Daniel Bryan, though, pulled up, like, you can't, you will never be able to convince me that he's the only guy other than Cena and that, you know, for, the, for whatever reasons. Let's just say that Daniel Bryan is doing this for um because uh, he has a conscience. You sure. won't be you won't be able to convince me that Daniel Bryan is the only guy in that company with a conscience. So why is he the only one that can pull himself off the show and not get heat for it? Or will he get heat for it? Um, I mean maybe his heat was tapping out clean in the championship match, but um Maybe because he feels a little bulletproof because he knows if they, if they, what are they going to do? Fire him? <laughs> well, I guess that's true. 
Like, he'll just go, right, he he was planning to leave for so long, or at least threatening to, um, so I think he maybe feels a little more bulletproof, and because he's involved and his wife is involved in a reality television series, and and he has, you know, he, he's a big giant star in that company, and they have two brands, and one of the brands is going on Fox TV next year, and... So they can't necessarily afford to like do nothing with him if they keep him. So maybe he just feels a little more bulletproof. And yeah, and I would like to think that, as you said, that he is not the only person in in World Wrestling Entertainment with a conscience. Um, I mean, that's been pretty widely reported among all wrestling reporters that a lot of the locker room weren't excited about the idea of going. But unless, you know every top guy is willing to say no we're not going they're going right like it doesn't like if if uh apollo cruz says he doesn't want to go okay like <laughs> right all right well you'll be on main event for the rest of your time here and then we w- we'll keep you under contract for two years and you'll do nothing but lose to you know no way jose on main event <laughs> like yeah. So, like, unless Seth or Dean or obviously before he had to leave, Roman or Braun or somebody like that is going to say, no, I'm not working that show. Like, it doesn't, like, nobody else has the clout. And obviously Roman was going to work the show. Braun's going to work the show. And Brock and Undertaker and all those guys are making so much money. Um, like, they, they, I'm sure they don't care. Like, I, yeah. I, it's, it's just like, yeah, you would need somebody with clout or you need to invent a time machine and <laughs> go back to the 1980s and get these wrestlers to unionize yeah and keep keep hogan from stooging <laughs> off to vince exactly um piece of garbage um <laughs> so yeah one of those things needs to happen but uh until then yeah they're gonna go and i'm sure a lot of them are gonna hate it and Corey Graves will post vague Instagram things <laughs> when he gets back to the States about it. He's such a hero. Hey, they're allowing Renee to go. Yes. What a, what a big win was this. You think this was like, what a progressive nation. Yes, clearly. I, be, I wonder if she'll be able to drive a car while she's there. <laughs> Doubtful. Doubtful. I'm sure there's something about foreign women, not still not being allowed to drive there. Um, she'll, ha- she'll have to dress like, um, a druid. That's what I was thinking about. Like, <laughs> that's or or maybe she'll just be like her commentary will be via satellite and she'll be back she'll be like in a studio in Connecticut that's not the worst idea and they'll be just farming in her commentary with I mean, I mean if they, I were, why do the announcers need to go why don't they just have them record via satellite like that's like the I've had that question for years about sports broadcasting and I think somebody at ESPN finally realized that and they've done that with some college hoops games the last mm-hmm. few years. They just have them sit in Connecticut instead of flying them to, you know, <laughs> wherever middle America. Like they're going to be watching the screen anyway because they got to, they have to call it like the pe- for the people that are watching it on the television. So like what does it matter if they're watching their screen in in some exactly. Someday that's how it'll be done. Right. We're just we're just ahead of the ahead of the curve all over this show. Yes. But uh yeah, I guess that's their 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 one consolation and their one time they they managed to find a tiny nugget of good PR for all their bad PR this week, I guess. 
So on Raw, Paul Heyman gave his, that's not a prediction, it's a spoiler line, when he said that Brock Lesnar was going to win the Universal Championship. Um, as far as I know, that line has been protected, and Paul is very particular about when he uses it because he's smart, and he knows that one day he's going to say it, and it won't be a spoiler, um, and you'll be surprised. But until then... It's just it's a, it's a little thing that Paul's doing. Anyway, did you take that to mean that Brock is going to uh, win the Universal Title on Friday or not? I mean, it definitely puts that scene in your mind because you're absolutely right. Like when he says that, he said it before WrestleMania this year, and guess what? It was true. He said it before Brock broke the streak, and it was true. So that that stuff does stick with you. So, I mean, I mean, we talked about this a little bit offline, but uh, like. Brock's potential UFC opponents are otherwise busy for the rest of this year and probably won't want to fight until like what March or April maybe. Yeah. So there's no reason Brock couldn't win it if they as I mean it's and it's it's always been presented in in the coverage of Brock's relationship with WWE is he'll work as long as they're willing to pay what they pay him. So it's like, can you pay him? And he keeps gets the title here, and he goes and wrestles AJ again at Survivor Series, and then he drops it at the Rumble or whatever. Like, there's no reason you can't do that. Sure, and as you mentioned, we discussed this offline, but I'm not convinced that Brock is ever going to fight again. <laughs> like, <laughs> so specifically, I'm not convinced Brock is going to fight Daniel Cormier, who's like a real fighter. <laughs> Like if you could get a guy that like in Brock's last fight when he fought Mark Hunt, who's a guy that was older than Brock and he thought he could handle and he did. Um, I just Daniel Cormier is like a real guy. He's he's only ever lost to John Jones. <laughs> right. Like, that guy is a, he's and a, he can hit as we as as you pointed out to me. Right. He's right. A real puncher, even though he's more known for his wrestling. Right. Well, he's got both. I mean, he's got both. It's not, he's not like some, you know, elite striker, but he has at least been training and striking nonstop for 10 years. Right. Whereas Brock's been farming and hunting. You know what I mean? And <laughs> plus, Cormier's got the wrestling pedigree. You know, he was, he was a, you know, would have been an Olympic wrestler if he could have cut, cut weight without getting sick. Um, but, you know, Cormier, Cormier is a real guy. And Cormier's teammate, Kane Velasquez, beat the crap out of Brock. Oh, yeah, know, he did seven or eight years ago and Brock doesn't like getting hit. Um, <laughs> uh, Cormier is a real guy. I'm really not convinced that Brock is ever going to fight a real guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Derek Lewis, you know, I don't want to take anything away from him. That's a really tough guy and he's won a lot of fights, but I can see Brock fighting Derek Lewis because mm -hmm. the, just his skill set is more limited. Um, you know, an old guy like, you know, an Arlovsky or, you know, somebody like that. Like, sure. I, I, I could, you know, even Dos Santos at this stage you, of the game. You think you could take a present day Alistair Overeem? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, just I don't. kick Brock in the liver again and Brock would, would fall over and die. He would kick him in the diverticulitis, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, so I, th I think Brock's winning the title on Friday is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, again, to your to your credit, Paul is very, very protective of stuff like that. So it's absolutely, it and it, I mean, like as much as yes, if you 
wanted it on a full-time guy and Braun's the de facto top baby face for the moment. But you know, as we have discussed so many times on this show, Braun is not the type of guy who holds the belt. He's the guy who wrestles the guy who holds the belt. So, Like, how many long title reigns did Undertaker have? Like, that's the, that's the Braun template. He's the, attra- right. he's the attraction guy. He's not the workhorse guy. Correct. So, so that's, that's, that, that adds a, a little bit of extra evidence in, in the corner of, of Brock potentially winning. And, and they, made, they made it patently clear on Raw that Drew McIntyre is going to get involved. And so that, you know, they could go to Strowman and McIntyre now and have Brock take the title and go away for, you know, to the Rumble or whatever. Sure. So I think Brock is winning on Friday is what I'm saying. That's, a, that's a bold prediction, and I like it. All right. Uh, Chris Jericho is wrestling evil on Saturday. He's oh, on yeah. a he's on a cruise right now. Chris Jericho, family man. <laughs> Chris Irvin. That's right. Ir- yeah, he's on a he's on a cruise right now with his family. Family man, Chris Jericho. <laughs> That's right. I see him posting lovely, you know, family <laughs> photos on his Instagram. Yeah. What a, what a good family man. Yep. Yep. Um. Any excited for his match with Evil? No. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm more excited for Suzuki and Ishii on that show for some R- the RPW uh, world title. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a mean guy match, as it were. Yeah. Um, and the finals of the Super Junior Tag Tournament. I, you know, I don't know. Having a hard time getting excited for this show. Um, well, I, th- I feel like we, we know because they did so much setup for that Tokyo Dome show, and we talked about this before, um, they basically set up the entire Tokyo Dome by like September. So yeah. anything from then to now, it's kind of it just feels kind of unimportant. Like we can kind of figure out Jericho is going to hold the belt at least until January fourth because he's going to wrestle Naito. Right. And like, okay, the RPW. No offense to RPW, but <laughs> eh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, oh, the junior tag league will lead to a junior tag title match, which I'm sure will be very good. But it's the junior tag titles in New Japan and those belts. You are you are trained just as WWE trains their audience. Stuff like the junior tag titles or the never six man titles are meaningless because of how they're portrayed on New Japan's television. True. True. But we're going to see Wild Brawler Chris Jericho, which I guess could be fun. I mean, he, he has yet to, like, not fascinate me on this, <laughs> on this New Japan show. I find, I find everything he does in New Japan quite fascinating. He's, he's always kind of where he's, yeah, he's got makeup on. He's, you know, a lot of angles with Chris wearing disguises. Yes, that's his thing. He, you think by like the fourth time, he's kind of the Gene Parmesan of, uh, of New Japan <laughs> Pro Wrestling. Yes. Um, you'd think by the, the third or fourth time, people would start expecting it. But uh, hey, it's still working for him as of now. Well, we've had a few laughs. Covered a lot of ground. Mild disagreements. <laughs> One serious disagreement. <laughs> Got anything else you want to talk about this week, or should we get out of here? No, I think we've we've covered the uh, the the big the big stories, and uh, more more positive than negative this week, which isn't always the case 
when we talk WWE. So, hey, well, we're, uh, I'm, I'm giving this week one thumb up. I'll take it. Until next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll be back very soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Red Sox won the World Series, so that's a bummer. I hate the Boston Red Sox. They're my least favorite team by far in any sport. Highest payroll in baseball. Great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard about. Like I listen to the, I don't know I don't know what your opinions are on, on Smoltz, but listen to him talk about the oh, this organization's been run so well for the last last decade or so it's like yeah you can run the organization really well when you have no limits on what money you can spend right no obviously there's there's something you know there's also a middle ground between those two things that you know teams that don't have giant payrolls find ways to win but it's like yeah it's like yeah of course they should be good they spend more money than everybody else. Of course, if they're not good, that would be a story. They've had two or three last place finishes in, in this time period as well. Yeah. You know, um, they just are able to come back. And I mean, now that they've put, um, there were a lot of years where they, they before this current uh, CBA, they had not fixed the international um the international bonus money that you could offer. And so, you know, teams could, teams like Boston could just spend whatever they wanted in that market as yeah. well. And that's a super underrated part of how they managed to have a good farm system, even while trading prospects at, you know, every trade deadline. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how I feel about the luxury tax, but it is actually. You know, if you go over it one year, it's pretty much nothing. You go over it two years in a row, it's a slap on the wrist. You go over three years in a row, it's actually a really big penalty. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I, I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about that, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is it's going to be a lot more difficult for this to continue uh, in perpetuity because of the uh, the new CBA. But yeah, that's a good point. I just I don't know. I was just watching that, and I was like, no, obviously, like the Dodgers aren't exactly underdogs either. I realize that, but sure. But it's just like, man, nobody. So the, <laughs> the, the, the the highest payroll in baseball, and what the third? What is that? Do- what are the Dodgers like? The third or fourth highest? I'm sure it's up there. I don't. I think they were under the. They got under the luxury tax threshold this year. Mm-hmm. I think only two teams were over. I think it was Boston and Washington were the only two teams that were over. But another team that I hate, the Washington <laughs> Nationals, <laughs> mostly because their GM is. We've talked about this before, <laughs> but the GM sabotaged the team because he was convinced that one of his relie- his best reliever was leaking stories to the press about what a terrible GM he was. <laughs> about how everybody hated him. I feel like I had another... Uh, th- oh, Smoltz. Oh, yeah, Smoltz. Uh, I was working under the impression, based on hearing a little bit of him each of the last couple of years that Smoltz is good. And then I heard a lot of Smoltz this year and uh, Smoltz is worthless. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. I mean, my thought is like, he's got some similarities to Palmer in that he talks a lot about old days, <laughs> but like Palmer relates it to modern, to modern baseball. Right. And also, Palmer doesn't complain about the shift and about, you know, this damn rock and roll that these kids listen to. And <laughs> That's what makes Palmer great. It's like, it would be so easy for him to be cranky old guy. And he's not. Like, he does right. talk a lot about his, you know, in his day and how the game has changed and evolved. And you can tell that he probably thinks it was, you know, better. But he never explicitly says that or talks down about the current product. Correct. And that, that to me is the difference between him and Smoltz is Smoltz is more of a uh, just, I mean, there's that article because I guess he has some sort of official role in Major League Baseball. He's a vice president of something, I think. Smoltz? And not, not a vice president, but he has some sort of official role with Major League Baseball. Okay. Might be an ambassador role or something, but there was some article I think in USA Today back in August, I think, about his grand ideas to fix baseball. And it was just, all of them was just like what you would expect, like eliminate all shifts and, and uh, something about, I don't know, like limiting mound visits and all this, like very like Manfred Joe Torre idea <laughs> guy. Like, well, I'm not totally against the idea of limiting the shift or saying you have to have two guys on each side of the infield. I think it's, I mean, obviously the, the solution is, well, just learn how to hit the ball the other way. <laughs> Correct. That's generally my argument. Right. You know, but you got guys who, first, you know, since they started playing high school baseball 20 years ago, all they've been doing is pulling the ball. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I would junk replay. Like... <laughs> That, the slowing the game that slows the game down. Well, I don't sure. I don't care about mound visits. If you want to limit them, fine. 
Like, I think that's actually probably good. Uh, it, not, you know, I'm sure nobody got penalized for, uh, <laughs> yeah, or nobody came close to exceeding the amount of visit limit this year. But, you know, I, what do you think about this? Like, I don't, I don't hate the idea of saying you got to have two guys on each side of the infield. What do you think? Yeah, my I'm more of on the other side. Like, I kind of just think like, I don't know, teach guys to hit to left field. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because then they'll stop shifting. If you start hitting to left field, they'll stop shifting. And then you yeah. can start hitting to right field again. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of the long and short of it for me. And that and that is over that's a, that's an oversimplification, of course, but um and it wouldn't like I wouldn't stop watching baseball if they announced next year that they were limiting the shifts or tweaking what's allowed. But right. as as a whole, I'm like, yeah, just I don't know. Learn how to bunt, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that I don't like, the Manfred idea that I don't like is limiting relief pitchers. Like, or oh. saying, you know, you can't, you can only make X number of, subs, you know, relief pitcher substitutions. I hate that. I like, oh, yeah, I that's like, silly. I like matching up. Mm-hmm. Like, if anything, I always think it's so weird. Like, I think the idea of closing pitchers is kind of outdated mm-hmm. because everything else is matchup, matchup, matchup. Mm-hmm. And the idea is like, well, we can't use this guy in this situation because he's got to come in in the ninth and get the save. It's like in any other situation, if you need a ground ball pitcher and you have Zach written in your bullpen and you need a ground ball right now, you would take Zach Britton, but because he has a little C next to his name, you've got to wait till the ninth inning with a lead or, you know, tied if you're home, like that kind of, that kind of stuff always irks me. It's like, if you're doing like, if, if you're going that far into matchups, like why, like, I don't know. I just think the idea of, I understand of wanting to have a solid guy, but like, to me, it's like, have like, and I guess some teams have done like the closer by committee thing, but like have like two or three guys that are solid, keep one of them back. But if you expressly need a guy who has the skill set, and it's the seventh inning and you've got one out, it's like, yeah, go get that guy. Don't wait because it's not the ninth inning yet. Well, and the smart teams have started doing that. I like think when the Cubs had Chapman, that's what the Cubs did with Chapman, and that's what the Indians have done with Andrew Miller. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Andrew last year especially, Andrew Miller, or maybe it was two years ago, I don't know. But every every year, you know, every time Andrew Miller would come into the game in the third inning, the fourth inning, the seventh inning, like whenever, mm-hmm. Andrew Miller was their best reliever, so they would go to him when they needed <laughs> their best reliever. But yeah. To your point, yes, uh, Buck Showalter not putting Zach Burton in the, in the in the wild card game. I mean, yeah, that that <laughs> that that'll always stick with me. And like, I, yeah, you should also have tried to score more than like two runs or whatever we did in that game. But yes, it's like, ma- I don't know. Maybe in that situation. Should, maybe Michael Borden shouldn't be starting in right field. Yeah, oh, good idea. Jeez, Michael <laughs> Bourne. Oh. <laughs> Oof, big oof. <laughs> I don't know. Family man, Chris Irvine. <laughs> oh, man. What so, a guy. so skeezy. Yeah, like, pretty gross. Like, he's still, you know, he's incredible at pro wrestling and, and the pro wrestling character, and I still like that work, but it's just such a skeeze, <laughs> skeeze bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, 
I saw the picture of like him and his kids and his wife and his dad. <laughs> yeah. Like, Here come the Irvines. <laughs> I'm like, oh, F you, dude. <laughs> Especially because like on this cruise, he's playing like he has to, he's playing shows with Fozzie. Right. So rock star, sleazy rock star Chris Jericho, he did the match with the Young Bucks. So he's, he's got to be crazy pro wrestling Jericho. And he's got to be family man Chris Irvin. Yeah. It's incredible. Full plate. Full plate for Chris on this show. Yep. God said in a I try to keep on keeping on.